your Bible, go ahead and turn to Psalm 66. Won't be there very long. Psalm 66. As you're turning there, I want you to ask yourself a question. How often are you boasting, not in yourself, and not necessarily even in one another, but in the Lord? In other words, you are known by others who know you well as someone who can't stay quiet with what God has done in your life and in the gospel. So Psalm 66, just follow with me, and I want to draw your attention to a few verses in it. Psalm 66, starting in verse 1, Shout for joy to God all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Look at verse 5. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard, who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you, that which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will offer to you burnt offerings of fattened animals with the smoke of the sacrifice of rams. I will make an offering of bulls and goats. Verse 16, come and hear all you who fear God. And I will tell you what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. You notice there in verse 5 and in verse 16, the same refrain. Come. It's an invitation. Come. And see what God has done. Verse 16. Come and hear all you who fear God. And I will tell you what he has done for my soul. Tonight we will be spending our time a little differently. Normally we spend our time hearing from God's word. We've been in 1 Peter the last almost, I don't know, year and a half, two years, whatever it is now. Uh, we're in chapter 4. Uh, but to do something differently, to kind of end the year on a high note is I've asked 12 different members of our church to share various ways God has been working in their life. And they're going to share a range of things from books they've read, sermons they've heard, discipling relationships that have been formed, uh, and other ways God has worked even in their marriage. And so what we'll do is I'll ask each person or group of people to come up on stage and share. As you listen, I would encourage you to do a number of things. And so on the screen... We've got, I've got five kind of prompt questions, so I can't have every member of this church stand on the stage tonight, but as you listen to them in testifying what God has done in their life this past year, I want you to jot down these questions for yourself or take a picture with your smartphone, whatever you want to do. 
There's five of them. These are prompt questions that basically they're answering in their own life tonight. But I want each one of us to consider these and use these as discussions around the table, uh, maybe with some friends and family this week, especially as we head into the new year, to look back at what God has done in your life. So question number one, what has the Lord done for my soul this year? Number two, what people has God brought into my life that has enriched my relationship with Christ? Number three, what are specific ways he has provided for me when I was in need this past year? Number four, what sins has God brought to the surface that I didn't know was buried deep in my heart? Number five, what new ambitions has God put in my heart to do for him as we head into 2024? Hear him again. What has the Lord done for my soul this year? What people has God brought into my life that has enriched my relationship with Christ? What are specific ways he has provided for me when I was in need? What sins has God brought to the surface that I didn't know were buried deep in my heart? What new ambitions has he put on my heart to do for him as we head into the new year? Uh, just personally speaking, there's many things that I could share I'll just share one with you tonight for me. Uh, since this church was planted, it's been a blessing for me personally uh, to preach God's word to you and to sit under the preaching of others who have filled this pulpit. Uh, just a recount of God's kindness and faithfulness of what we've been learning these last three years. Let me just remind each one of us what we've sat under and listened to since September of 2020. We've heard four sermons in the book of Ruth. We heard two sermons in the book of Jonah. Twelve sermons in Nehemiah. Four sermons in Malachi. I personally have preached 20 of the Psalms. And other brothers have preached Psalms as well. We've also heard several standalone sermons in Genesis, Ecclesiastes, and a four-sermon series in the Proverbs. In the New Testament, we've covered 40 sermons in the Gospel of Mark a six-sermon series in the letter to the Philippians. The first three sermons were actually preached at First Baptist. So I pulled a John Calvin and had to pick up where we left off. So it's technically nine sermons in Philippians, but six as your pastor here. Alan Jansen and myself and a few guest preachers in God's strange providence have almost preached the entire letter to the Colossians. Uh, if you put them all together, if you look at the podcast, we haven't preached the ending of Colossians, but I think we've preached every other verse if you put us all together. Uh, I preached 11 sermons in 2 Timothy, 5 sermons in Titus. Jansen preached the whole book of James and 2 John. On Sunday nights, we've preached through elders, deacons, church discipline, church membership. Uh, on Sunday nights, we've also had six to seven men preach through the letter of 1 Peter. We'll have a few more coming up next year. And I preached two sermons in 3 John. And then there are several standalone sermons that have also been preached over the last couple of years. Uh, as you're thinking about next year, Lord willing, I look to preach more of the Psalms. So one of my goals is that all 150 Psalms will have been preached. If God keeps me here as long as he wants to, I want our church to hear all 150. Um, however long that takes us, <laughs> there that is. Uh, we'll also next year cover some Psalms, the letter of Jude, I hope to preach through the book of Exodus and then also 1 Thessalonians. So there will probably be some things interspersed in there 
But as you hear that tonight, guys, the Lord has been kind to give us a buffet of all different genres, Old and New Testament, and they are forming, not any one sermon, but they are forming us over an accumulative effect to make us into the image of Christ. So praise be to God for what we have heard these last several years. I'm going to ask several people to come up on stage, and some will be seated just so we can be on kind of a, uh, an expedient, uh, efficient way. Ian, you want to come up first? And then Donna, Leslie, and Casey. Is Casey here? Childcare. Okay, I forgot to confirm with everyone because I got so confused this week. So Ian will come up first. Donna, Leslie, and Casey, y'all can sit behind me. And then basically, I'm just going to go rapid fire, no questions. Ian, you come on up. Share what the Lord has taught you in whatever specific way that is. And then, um, then we'll have uh, Donna, Casey, and Leslie one at a time. Go for it, brother. Uh, so beginning in September of 2022, actually, uh, we as a music team uh, started meeting together to go over the book Corporate Worship by Matt Merker. Uh, we bet, met about five times uh, throughout the year, meeting about once a quarter um, to get together, to fellowship with one another, uh, to discuss um, the book, uh, really just trying to find ways that um, you know we could tr try to fellowship with one another outside of our Sunday gatherings. Uh, our weekly practices, um, and then also just to learn more about what corporate worship is and uh, how we can best do that as we try to lead each Lord's Day. Um, so one thing that I've learned, I, I shared with it, uh, I shared about it with uh, y'all at, at the last members meeting, um, just the importance of corporate singing. So how you guys are the choir. Um, it's not us, it's y'all. Um, so it's, uh, it's a blessing to be able to get in front of you each week uh, and just praise God uh, each, each week together. Um, so just a few years ago, I would have uh, had a much different view uh, of the church. Um, I viewed my Christian walk as uh, much more on an individual level. So the Lord's Day was just my, um, was primarily for my weekly fill up. Um, but the Lord in his kindness has allowed myself and I know several others uh, to learn much more about the beauty of the local gathered church. Uh, so one thing God has taught me um, through his word, through our gatherings each Lord's Day, as well as through uh, the book Corporate Worship, uh, is that worship is not just a me and Jesus thing. Um, in his book, Merger says, Scripture calls all people to love, serve, obey, exalt, magnify, sing to, ascribe worth to, and bow down before the one true God. So we worship in all of life, as it says in Romans 12.1, we present our bodies as, living, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, uh, which is our spiritual worship. That means we do worship individually. We do worship uh, within our homes, uh, within our families, um, but we are also called to worship corporately. Uh, so Merker actually, actually quotes Ligon Duncan, but it's a great quote. Um, he says, God has made us his family, and corporate worship is a family meeting with God. It is the covenant community engaging with God, gathering with his people to seek his face, to glorify and enjoy him, to hear his word, to revel in the glory of union and communion with him, to respond to his word, to render praise back to him, to give under him, unto him the glory due his name. And we are actually not gathered by our own initiative. 
or in our own strength, but it is God in his gracious initiative that he sovereignly draws each one of us um, together, making us a, bo- a body. Uh, so what are the implications of this for us? And so since it is he that calls the meeting, uh, what we do when we meet is his prerogative. We do what he has commanded us in his word, not based on what our preferences are. We do what he has commanded in his word. Another implication is that we selflessly love those that he has gathered together. Another good quote that Merker gives us, he says, The fact that God is in charge of the worship gathering teaches us to treasure our fellow church members. It is not random happenstance that your congregation has its own unique mix of people. God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose, 1 Corinthians 12, 18. God's sovereign will is for me to gather with the specific believers at my local church. Warts, disagreements, awkwardness, and all. Since that's the case, I'd better stop complaining about their faults and get to work loving them. After all, that's what they've done for me. Finally, I've learned that when we meet, I should be seeking to edify someone else rather than to seek my own desires, that, or rather than seeking that my own desires are met. You can read more about that in 1 Corinthians 14. Um, but we are to seek to edify and build up others. So I'll close with a couple more of Merker quotes. Uh, he says, Church members should arrive in prayerful expectation that God intends to use them to bless someone else in need. Everyone has a job to do. A church where folks sit back and passively absorb whatever's happening up front is a church that subtly undermines the priority of mutual edification. For sure, the elders whom God has called to lead his flock should take initiative to prepare the meal, but we all get to serve it to one another, even if our part is as seemingly insignificant as doing in a corporate reading of scripture, singing along to the hymns, and passing the bread and the cup to the person next to us. Uh, I just want to commend each one of you. I I get to see this each week. Uh, It's a joy to come to church each week and to see everyone serving others, um, looking to meet the needs of others here. Um, So if you want to learn more about why we do what we do each Lord's Day, um, I would strongly recommend Merker's book. Uh, There are a couple copies out there in the lobby. um, Or if you'd like to talk about it more with me, Come find me after the service. So. Clapping is very appropriate. Leslie will be, oh, Casey, you want to go first? Well, I have, someone's got to come up. All right. I can't get over what he just said because it's just uh, what we have, what we've discovered in our group. And one of the things I'd like you to notice is how old I am and how young they are. (laughs) And we got to do a study together, and that's what happens at our church. It's just a mixture of all different ages. I love it. I love everything about this church. I wrote this thing five times because I, I couldn't get all the things I love about this church in it. And so I thought, well, this is more important. But we read a book. We've read many books and many articles. <laughs> and uh, we read this one book about the case for congregationalism. 
And as I have been in this church the last year and a half, I've thought, why do I love this church so much? I love it more than any church I've ever been in. Why does it work like this? And I never thought I would turn into a student of, of, of church government. <laughs> but I thought, I mean, as we read this book, I thought, oh my goodness, this is what's happening with our church government and our church covenant. And of course, the, you know, we have our statement of faith. <clears throat> That's what it all starts with. Whoops. <clears throat> but anyway, okay. I'm just going to say I have learned so much through so many ways at CBC in the last year and a half. Uppermost is that Jesus Christ is the goal of all that transpires here. That's what first attracted to me, just like Ian talking about how he leads the worship, how we do it, the attitude toward worship. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about God. Our leadership has laid down a plan based on God and his word that assures that Jesus Christ remains the center of everything that happens in this church. And it's spelled out in our statement of belief, our church government, the way it runs, and our church covenant. And I'm gonna, you're going to keep hearing church covenant over and over again. Um, Blake has given us this opportunity to share some of the things that we've been learning and ways God has blessed me and grown me in the last year. I am so thankful that God has planted me here, and I'm hoping that I leave for heaven as a member of this sweet congregation. To borrow a phrase from Blake's sermon, God has saved the best for last for me here at CD. CCDC. Um, what I have learned and noticed, I had to go back to all the classes that we had membership classes. And when you're in those membership classes, you're listening to everything and it's kind of coming at you and you're just kind of saying, okay, okay. <laughs> and, and it's, and, but you don't really get it you know, until you've been in the church a while and you see how it's working out. This is the first church I've ever attended from Cradle Row through my 78 years where membership really means something. It involves a covenant with God and each other, which is based on God's word. And we are accountable to God and each other for keeping it. Our covenant is biblical is our biblical job description. And uh, we, I think we just all have to keep reading over it all the time. We say it when we have the Lord's Supper together, but we're making promises, and we're, we're supposed to keep those promises. So it means something here, and it's very uh, intentional. I, I think that may be the thing I just, well, I can't say what I love the most. Okay, so anyway, we agree to and sign the promises we made in the covenant when we become members. I have also learned more about and experienced the workings of our elder-led congregationalist church government, which is a new word for me, polity. Okay, that word was in that book, so we've got to learn that word. But anyway, 
we follow the example in the Bible of God's order for authority in the church and for church discipline. And I haven't been in a church that really follows the Bible and does church discipline with love. And I found out in this book and in our church that church discipline begins with the members of the congregation, not the elders. It's our job. It's our job to watch over each other, caring for each other in love and truth. Our church believes and follows God's word. I've never seen it done like we do it here. Another thing that I've learned to love about our church is we have even our um, our members meetings are really family members unlike the business meetings we used to have in the Baptist churches I've gone to where there was all kinds of ugly stuff going on we have member meetings that are well planned full of prayers informative and edifying I have been greatly blessed by the leadership of our faithful selfless elders they are accountable to God for our souls, and we are to honor, respect, and trust the authority God has given them to lead us. I am so thankful for their preaching, teaching, prayers, and wise biblical counseling, and for the hours, literally hours, that they spend praying, learning, planning for the discipleship. Discipleship is everywhere, all over our church. We're permeated with it. It's what we're all about, the gospel of Jesus Christ and getting together and discipling each other in all these small groups. So planning for the discipleship of the, mem the members of our church, they exemplify, our elders exemplify dying to self. They do it for us, and we are to do for them the same thing, and for the rest of the congregation, we are to be selfless when it comes to to, to loving our fellow members. The commitments we make in our covenant to love and honor God and our elders and to love and care for our brothers and sisters in our congregation are modeled by our pastor, elder, under-shepherd, Blake Wilson. He is bold and tireless and relentless in loving his flock and discipling in every way possible. Read the books, read the books, read the books. And all those books just make you grow and grow and grow and love God more and more and more. So he is, uh, he's relentless, tireless, he's bold and loving his flock, discipling in every way possible the sheep God has entrusted in him. His wife, Julie, is the best pastor's wife of any church that I've ever attended, embracing us all with her gift of hospitality at every opportunity that comes her way, just undercover, you know, just doing it all the time, inviting in us into her home and into her family generously. Blake and Julie and Julie's parents John and Sheila, and our elders, Tom and Alan, and their wives model how we are to love and care for and, and disciple each other according to our church covenant. I've learned and experienced that every Sunday, truth will be preached boldly, fearlessly from the pulpit, and I, through the power of the Spirit, have learned from it, and my heart and my life have been changed. But with our pastor, it's not just about Sunday. 
It's every day. He encourages us to daily read the Bible to ourselves and share it with others and together in small groups with others through the week to study and discuss the Bible and other spirit-based books recommended by our elders. Julie led a wonderful Bible study this last summer on the envy of Eve, which included a multi-age group of women from our church. We had much good discussion as we met each week and were all convicted of the danger of the sin of discontentment, which uh, is not being thankful for what God has provided and where it can lead, breaking the 10th commandment against coveting, which leads to unbelief. Our pastor's recent sermon exhorted us to repent of discontentment immediately when we, when we see it coming up in our life. And it's a real struggle for women a lot of times to want what we don't have. And so be discontent, and then it just kind of goes downhill, and we've broken, we're coveting, and we're breaking the 10th commandment, and then we're going into unbelief. And just putting Julie's study and Blake's sermon together, we see how God causes everything to work together as we seek to know and love and obey him more at CCDC. I've also learned much about caring for our fellow members and praying God's word with book studies that I've done with Stephanie. And uh, Sarah and I did a series of videos on contentment. And then I studied uh, the, this book and books on uh, the uh, biblical womanhood that we read lots of articles and books, biblical femininity. I think Leslie's going to talk about that. And all of this, it is just precious to be in these one-on-one -on -one groups, two-on-two, three, whatever it is. No one is leading it. <laughs> really, we are reading books. We're praying, we're talking about what we've learned, and it doesn't matter our age, who's old and who's young. We are building each other up. We're building our church up. And it's a beautiful thing and a wonderful way to learn and to grow and to not just have surface relationships. Oh, that's such a pretty dress. But to get down into people's hearts and to pray with each other and to be honest with each other. You got any more on there? Yes. I'll tell you what, because we want to make sure everyone gets an opportunity. Donna, you 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 clean this thing up yes. and send it to anyone who wants to finish. You got one or two things. Okay, you want to let me just say the finish, very end. Finish strong. Okay. I'm, I'm I told you it, it's hard. It was just hard. Okay. As Al okay as Alan taught in his sermon on Psalm 133. A few weeks ago, behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. It's like the precious fragrant oil of the love, grace, and mercy of God running down on all of us, binding us at CCDC together in Jesus Christ. I love our church, God's church, and can't wait to see what our good God has planned for 2024 for his glory and our good. Amen. <laughs> Um, so yes, I second everything Donna said. It was a joy to get to read this book and to study it with, um, with these two. But I will say, Don't Fire Your Church Members um, by Jonathan Lehman was one of the most challenging 
it was one of the most convicting, but also one of the most encouraging books that I've written to date, and I've read a lot of books. Um, it was challenging because if you've ever read Lehman, um, it's a very dense book. It can be tricky at times to follow. He is very student-y, I don't know if that's the right word for it, um, a little difficult to read, but the reward of reading this book far surpasses and outweighs um, the difficulty, and I would highly, highly recommend it to every, everybody in this room. Um, it's definitely one that is that will encourage you. Um, so that's how it was challenging. It convicted me in the way that I function in the church. Um, Lehman said that one day you will stand before God and give an account for how you used this authority. Speaking of the authority that is given to church members. And Lehman gives six responsibilities for every church member. Um, one, help preserve the gospel message. Two, help affirm gospel citizens. And um, we do this through our church membership. And number three, attend members' meetings. Our next one is January 21st. Um, number four, disciple other church members. Five, share the gospel with outsiders. And number six, follow your leaders. And so I and every member of this church, um, we have a responsibility and a job mandated to us from the Lord. And it's both a privilege and a joy as well as a high calling to get to live and serve in the role that God has given us in Scripture. And finally, it was encouraging because the practical ways this is lived out are all things I've either been directly involved in or able to witness here at CCBC. One of the greatest joys for me over this last year has been um, to be able to witness our congregation help one another grow, whether that be through discipleship groups forming, groups of members getting it together to pray, intentional conversations between members, holding one another accountable and spurring one another on in the word, um, members getting together outside of Sunday and Wednesday, doing life together, and getting to know one another um, and each other better. There are many more examples that Lehman gives in this book, but we would be here all night if I listed them all. But um, he says in here that when the pastors and teachers are doing their work, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, we should expect this of the members. Ephesians 4, 15, and 16. Speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. And so at the end of the day and at the end of this year, um, it's been a joy, a privilege, and an honor to live alongside members who, one, truly love the Lord and his word, and who, number two, takes our covenant here at CCBC seriously by loving, lovingly and sacrificially living out the one another stated in our covenant. And also, what a joy, privilege, and honor it is getting to live under elders who, one, truly love the Lord and his word, um, who, two, want the best for this congregation without sacrificing the truths of scripture, and who, three, make it easy as a church member to submit to, trust, and follow. got the joy of studying congregationalism together and then also we've been working through biblical femininity so I'm going to stick with the femininity part that I've learned. Um, Ian said he was going to pop open a bag of popcorn and munch on it while I sat up here and talked about how macho he was so it's going to be a good time. 
Um, so we have been studying biblical femininity, and I came across this quote by Charles Bridges that really kind of sticks it to you. So it says, women can either be man's greatest curse or sweetest blessing, either a bond of misery or a sacred union. So by God's grace, I have been quite happily married to Ian for 14 years this coming Tuesday. And there we go. And uh, while studying God's word about femininity and biblical womanhood and what it really is, actually, um, I've been struck with two main things. So the first is the complete goodness in the role that God gave women as helper in that role. Our God, the one true God, is good. Everything he does is good. And he told us in Genesis 131, at the pinnacle of his creation, that he saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. This declaration was made by God before any sin entered the world. So included in the list of things that are from creation declared good in this world is still the woman's role of helper. The role of helper is one that is best modeled in scripture by none other than Jesus Christ himself. The role of helper is one of willful and joyful submission to God-given authority, a God-ordained head, an equal. Through this study in God's word, it's been solidified in my mind that submission does rightly mean subordinate because God created a well-ordered world. However, subordinate does not mean inferior. Secondly, I've been convicted and convinced of the biblical command and the absolute necessity of a woman giving and showing respect, esteem, admiration, honor, and deference to the authority God has placed her under. In other words, her head. So whether that is still her father, whether it's her husband, or is now solely the elders in her church, it's not a suggestion to us, it is a command. So these two, thi two things it can be a very good truth, and it can seem a very hard command at times in this fallen world. But because of God's word, I have a renewed joy in my very good role of woman as helper. And I contribute my happy marriage to the grace of God because I certainly have not perfectly obeyed the call to submit and, and uh, respect. But thanks be to God for his steadfastness and patience with us all, his love and kindness to gently shepherd us, his faithfulness to forgive. As 2 Corinthians 1.10 says, he delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. So I'm looking forward to the biblical femininity study that Blake is going to lead, um, he said in February, so this coming spring. And I highly encourage all the ladies to make it a priority on your calendar to attend um, and come eager to learn. And I encourage you in, in the meantime, um, I've been so encouraged by Blake and our elders that if you are wondering what should I study in the meantime, go to them and ask, ask for suggestions. Um, ask for help, ask for direction, because I know, like as Donna suggested, if I ask Blake, what should I study? He gives me far more than I can get through. So just go to him and ask, and you will be 
you'll learn more more than you possibly you'll just be blessed by it so just ask your pastor <laughs> thank you thank you all uh, John Lax and Chris Granzine you can come on up and then Bobby Lester and Amber Lawhorn you can have a seat behind them John and Chris come on on there So I started my first discipling relationship with John, and we have been meeting for once a week for a few months now. We read a couple chapters of the Bible and discuss them. So far, we've gone through the books Mark and Romans. I've only read through the book Genesis, so it's nice going through with someone who knows more. From the book Mark, I've learned from more about who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Mark chapter 15, when he was crucified, died, and buried. Then chapter 16, when he rose and defeated death. I've always known the story of Jesus, but now I know and understand a little bit more. With the book Romans, I learned even more about what Jesus has accomplished. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When I joined this church, I immediately started seeing some of the ways God has, was exposing my sin. I look back and see how far I had gotten away from God, and yet, he still led me to where I needed to be and provided people in my life to help me along the way. This, this discipling relationship John and I have is just one of the ways he has pointed me in the right direction. At the time, it doesn't seem obvious what direction God wanted me to go. A couple weeks ago, Jansen told me, if an opportunity presents itself to me, be courageous and give it a try. When John first asked to disciple me, I didn't know what to think about it. I had never been discipled, and to be honest, I hardly knew him. Turned out to be something great in my life. Even though on one of our first meetings I was 45 minutes late, John showed me patience and stuck with me. We've come a long way now. <laughs> I'm only a couple minutes late now. <laughs> this discipleship has held me accountable to consistently read and learn more. Reading with John continues to expose me to what sins I have committed and gives me someone to talk to about things I don't even talk to my family about. You never know who God is going to bring into your life. You just have to be courageous enough to try new things. It could lead to new relationships or even for me, a new place to call home. Okay, well, um, this is really designed as a, a kind of, this was not something I ever thought I would do, but God kind of pushed things in, in place for that to happen. The subject first came up to me when uh, Deepak Reju was here for the weekend. Um, and he had a session, and during that session, he sort of went around each one of us and said, well, who was your mentor? And I never had a mentor. I felt gypped that <laughs> I'd missed out. <laughs> but actually, then I realized that the, the church that uh, we attended actually was very much a Bible-based church. And so every, um, everybody that was up there speaking was speaking God's word from, from the Bible. So I did get a mentor, but it wasn't, wasn't one especially for me. Um, some months after um, the Deepak was there, um, Chris and Cole started to attend CCBC. And they were living on their own, so you know, Sheila's very good at taking pity on, on guys that are on their own <laughs> and invited them over for dinner one night. 
and we had a really good night. Um, a lot of food and a lot of games. Um, but talking with Chris, he was saying he hadn't uh, known much about the Bible. He'd never really sort of read much other than, as he mentioned, the book of Genesis, which is kind of a hard one to start. Um, I was challenged by, by um, Titus 2, verses one, 1 through 6, where it said, uh, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and steadfastness. And it goes on the same for, uh, for women. Um, but it encouraged older men, just, I just about fit in that category, <laughs> uh, um, to, um, to actually look to mentor uh, younger men. And so it was one of those times when it's like, ooh, God's prompting me to do something here. And after some prayer, I was able to uh, reach out to Chris and to see if he'd like to do some one-on-one -on -one Bible study with me. Fortunately, he responded positively. And we talked about what to start with. Blake had recommended gosp uh, the Gospel of Mark. And so we set a time to meet at Waffle House at 7 a.m. in the morning. And the first, the first time was really just a, a time of sharing our histories and setting expectations. I was nervous, and I told Chris that it was the first time I'd done anything like this. I think that made him nervous. Um, <laughs> but um, we started by Chris reading from Mark chapter 1 and Mark chapter 2, and he reads through a paragraph at a time, and, and we discuss it. Um, what made it a little strange was the waitress kept coming up to see if we needed anything else. Um, but uh, we, I was really pleased when Chris said he wanted to do it next week as well, the next week as well. Uh, so um, we actually moved our meetings to church because we recognized trying to do it while having breakfast in a restaurant is not a good place for a, a spiritual conversation. Um, so now we meet in one of the rooms here. Um, we've now finished Mark and we've just finished Romans. That's been really meaty. It's caused me to have to dig a lot in those passages because um, he asks difficult questions. <laughs> um, I must say it's been one of my best experiences. And for any of you who are on this shelf as to where, or on, on, you know, just kind of, should I do this, should I not, how do I find somebody, I would totally recommend doing this. It is, um, it's still, something I'm learning from every week as we get together. Um, Chris and I have got to know each other more deeply and able to pray for one another. It even extends to Chris coming to fix a fly screen for us at home. I didn't know he knew how to fix fly screens, but he does. Um, and recently I messed up our garage door and he was very good. He's tall, as you might notice. He was able to reach up and just pull it down. <laughs> um, but uh, for any of you that who are thinking about mentorship or needing somebody to mentor you, there are brothers here who would be more than willing and be delighted to be able to do that for you. And that's, that's what I pray for each one, that uh, we get a chance to do that. Thank you.
I'm not going to be as long as everyone else because I don't want to be up here. So. Come on. I don't want that either. All right, our discipling relationship started from Blake sending out a podcast, you know, because he always sends out podcasts. Uh, back in July, uh, it was a, there was a section on discipling. I immediately felt convicted that I needed an older woman to disciple me. You're welcome. Uh, the first woman that came to my mind was Bobby Lester. I've noticed over the last few years of attending CCDC how Bobby loved the Lord and the way she talked about him. It took me almost two weeks to ask, and she immediately said yes. And what I've learned is uh, the Word of God does not change. No matter how many times you read it, the same book, you change. You change to look more like Christ. That's all I got for you. Since when am I the older woman? <laughs> All right. Before Amber approached me about discipling her, I'd already been praying for the Lord to bring someone to me. Being an older woman, so there's that. <laughs> I knew I needed to do this, even if it scared me to death. When Amber asked me to disciple her, I quickly said that I would love to. Of course, I had no idea where to start, and I didn't know, we know how to do this. So I began to read this book. It's just simple, and it gives detailed steps of what uh, discipleship looks like. Um, it gives the definition of exactly what a disciple is, what discipling itself is, and how to do it. One of the things I learned by reading it is that discipleship relationships all look different. It is not the same for everyone. The one thing that does remain the same is the one who the focus is on. He said in the book, the goal is always to present people mature in Christ. It's helping others know how to follow Jesus. And then another book that I'd already read was this one, and you'll see it out there in the foyer. It's a really good book, too, one-to-one -one Bible reading by David Helm. This book gives two different ways of reading the Word of God, one being the Swedish method, which is referred to as a simple baby steps framework for those who feel unsure about where to start. It gives basic steps on how to proceed using that method. And then the other method spoken of, spoken of in the book is called the COMA method. <clears throat> COMA is C-O-M-A, which stands for the context, the observation, the meaning, and the application. <clears throat> Following the Swedish method, you are to progress into the COMA method. <clears throat> Excuse me. This book gives practical tips on discipleship. It's an easy read. It's a small book and it gives detailed information regarding all of your meetings. For example, what do you do first? I mean, it's very detailed. What do you do first? What do you do next? Don't forget to pray. Don't forget to set up your next meeting. I mean, it's just real spelled out. Um, so getting started, Amber and I met for lunch just to discuss what she was wanting out of this discipling time together. She wanted to know how to study the Bible for herself, which is such a blessing to my heart. Amber has such a heart to know the Lord and to know how to be obedient to him. She has a teachable heart, which also makes it easy for me. We experimented with one study method uh, that I knew I had learned earlier, and we quickly realized that that's just not what we were looking for. So I introduced her to the book, and she took it home, and she read it. At the, book, uh, at the back of the book, there are sheets using this coma method. 
um, coma, it, it gives you detailed questions of what even to ask in all of your different meetings. For example, if you're studying the gospel, it, it gives you all the detailed steps of what to ask when you're studying the, the gospels. What do you ask when you're studying Acts? What do you uh, ask when you're studying the Old Testament narrative, the epistles, Hebrew wisdom, literature, poetry, uh, prophetic literature, apocalyptic literature? It just gives details on studying all of those books of the Bible. Well, there is also a section that is, um, talks about having eight weeks in the book of Mark. So it takes you through eight weeks of being in the book of Mark, which I'm shocked you're reading Mark too. Um, so we decided since it's so spelled out in this book, we would just go ahead and do the book of Mark. And we are still in a whopping chapter one. Um, we try to stick to the coma method as a guide, making sure that we stay in the context, which is so important, staying in the context of what you're reading, and then going through the steps and getting to the application of it. After meeting several times, we are in chapter one, so we know we're going to be there for a while. I've begun to pray for Amber as well. Um, discipleship is multiplication. And so my prayer for her is that this is something that she's going to pick up and she's going to start doing. Um, there's a Bible study teacher, which is really convicting for me. There's a Bible study teacher. Her name, her name is Susan Heck. I don't know if any of you know her, but she's great. Um, you can find her on YouTube. But she said um, in one of her classes where she was teaching on discipleship to her ladies, she said every woman in that room should be either discipling someone or should be discipled by someone. So think about that. Um, so we are, and, and, and of course we are given the command in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We're on our last two couples, and then we will close our time. We have married couples about to come up, Mark and Miranda Riker, Dominique and Edwin Reyes. So come on up. We'll have Mark and Miranda go first, and then we'll end with Dominique and Edwin, and then I'll close us in prayer. all know us pretty well at this point that we're kind of open books and we talk about all kinds of things that are happening in our life with pretty much most of you and so I don't think these things would be a surprise to you but I will say um, as Blake prompted us to um, kind of write down our testimony over this last year it was quite challenging to think through we've been through quite a lot in a really short period of time and that seems to be consistent <laughs> for the last two years in a row we just do things quickly and the Lord has prepared our hearts to do that um, and we just hope that he continues to, to equip us as we move. But um, over the last year, the Lord's been working in our hearts and in our marriage in a quite a variety of ways. We felt some extreme convictions, had sin revealed to us graciously, and repented of that sin. And we've been challenged in many new areas to truly trust the Lord with our life. We do not have time to cover all the individual ways the Lord has been working in us during this evening service. So we'd like to just walk through a few of the bigger events um, that have taken place in the last 12 months and how we've seen the Lord working in uh, and around us through that. This is not my favorite thing to do, by the way, is to stand up here and <laughs> talk to you guys. But what I've learned is when Blake asks you to do something, 
you say yes. <laughs> so uh, I want to start out with just um, talking about shepherding the home. And I just want to say, just wow, this is a blessing. Um, while it also brings a high level of stress and anxiety at sometimes. Um, it has definitely, God has shown me my own sin through marriage. Um, but I also want to read this scripture in Deut Deuteronomy 6, 7 through 9. It's speaking of the love, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and with all your mind. But he says, you shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk with them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hands, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So that, that teaches me that I need to know the word. Um, I have to live it out in my home. And because I'm an example, not only to my wife, but also to my children. Um, so that does bring just a lot of can be pressure. Um, I definitely fail at this. Um, so I'm going to keep going. Um, <laughs> knowing that the Lord has makes a helper fit for you. Um, We both bring strengths and weaknesses to our marriage. Um, we are a complement to each other. Um, Miranda does a great job of building me up as a husband um, by giving me encouragements. Um, she is also very bold in telling the truth. Um, sometimes it can be hurtful um, and sometimes not easily heard. Um, However, I am thankful for her boldness and her willingness to share those things with me because it is something that I do need to hear, um, especially whenever I am being passive, um, not leading my home well. Uh, my natural tendency is to be laid back. So, you know, imagine that, a man that is passive and a woman that seeks control, right? Um, I think that may be in the Bible. Um, again, I just want to thank, I'm thankful for her obedience to God, um, to God's word as she knows her own tendencies um, to take control. Um, but she continues to, again, encourage me to lead her. Um, it has been such a joy and an encouragement to me to watch her um, grow in her walk with Christ. Um, just her, what she tells me about how she interacts with her employee, I mean, her coworkers, um, and also just things like her evangelizing to her siblings um, and even hosting a table at yesterday's tea party. Um, this pushes me as her husband and encourages me to do more. Um, so I'm thankful for our sovereign God. Um, he knew exactly what I needed. Um, in this last year, he also brought our first child into the world and another on the way. Um, so if being a husband doesn't show you your sin nature, becoming a parent will. <laughs> Some convictions from the past nine months as a parent are um, my own impatience, lack of compassion, envy of Miranda's relationship with Mason, and 
my selfishness because I don't get to do the things that I want to do anymore when I want to do them. So two verses that are good to meditate on um, is Psalms 103.13, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. And also Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. That is one that I definitely am. I know my son is only nine months old, but, you know, I'm struggling with not provoking him to anger. But I'm like, Lord, he's provoking me to anger. <laughs> oh, the last few days have been quite entertaining for me, just for the record. <laughs> um, uh, so I would say that kind of leads into um, what humble submission as a wife looks like. Um, what a challenge. Again, as you know, based on our own personalities here, I am quite bold and not afraid to speak up whenever I feel like I need to speak up. And um, in Genesis 3.16, God tells the woman after he's found that she's eaten the fruit of the forbidden tree, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And that scripture is on my mind almost daily. I have always been a strong and independent person, never relying on or seeking a vote from others when making decisions because I didn't have an other to consider. Um, the last two years of marriage have challenged me in ways that I did not see coming, and yet I'm incredibly thankful. I know my tendency is to take charge and to be decisive, but I also know, thanks to God's grace in my life and for biblically sound doctrine taught to us uh, by our pastor and elders, um, this is not what God intended my role as a wife to be. It is... It has been humbling to give up the reins to truly allow my husband to lead me as God has instructed, and I fail at this often, but the Lord graciously reveals my sinful heart and gives me grace to start again each day. I'm thankful for a husband that is equally eager to live his life according to God's will and takes his role as the leader of our family with a humble heart posture and a complete sense of responsibility for his household. Another area that we wanted to um, talk about was um, our deciding to build a home here in the Barling area. So Miranda and I had always had a love for agriculture. Um, I was raised on a small farm. Um, she has worked in the poultry industry for 11 years, um, and she's helped friends on their farms for most of her life. So naturally, we thought when the time was right, uh, we would purchase a farm of our own, maybe even a chicken farm. Um, a place that our children could run and play outside uh, and a place that we could teach them good work ethic. But the Lord has different plans. In the last four to six months, the Lord changed our heart. Um, he helped us see that owning a farm would mean living further away from our church. Um, but we... Amen. Um, they have to see that owning a farm wouldn't mean living further from the church, but we wanted, we wanted to be closer. Um, a few points from our church covenant that is backed up by scripture that I want to, to read says, we walk together in brotherly love as becomes the members of a Christian church, exercising an affectionate care and watchfulness over each other and faithfully reprove and encourage one another as occasion may require. How can we be faithfully how can we faithfully exercise affection and have close enough relationships to watch over each other if we are spending our time caring for property and animals? That would limit our time hosting families into our home. It would be a struggle to be at all the extra meetings and group get-togethers, let alone trying to get back here on Sunday evenings. 
we didn't want to hinder this hinder us from assembling together understanding that those gatherings are time of edification and worship to god another point was we will work together to nurture any children under our care in the training and instruction of the lord and by a pure and loving example to seek the salvation of our family and friends we want our children to love the church and we want them to be around like-minded believers who will help to shepherd them alongside us. There are others, but for the sake of time, we want to be good stewards of what the Lord has given us. We want to be able to invite our neighbors to church with distance not being an excuse. We want to continue to host families into our home. We know that if we live further, than we do now, it might make it harder for families to come to our house. I want to quote Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. It says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we pray to be able to use our home that we are currently living in as a place, or we prayed, before we moved into it two years ago that um, we could use that home as a place um, to invite our church family into to be able to fellowship with them and to get to know them better Um, we also pray that god would also use our new home that is currently being built Um, it's only three minutes from here Um, and we just hope that the lord use this home the same way that he has let us use this home This will allow us to host more families and live there in the community on a more regular basis. To use our home as a place for ministries to meet, remembering that we are able to have this home because our Lord has given it to us. He is the one who has provided the means, and we should steward his gift well. Um, Another area that we have seen the Lord working um, in our lives uh, over this last year, and I think I've shared with with several of you um, in the past, but... Um, I'm now a working mama, and man, that's been an adjustment. Um, Becoming a mother this year has easily been one of the greatest gifts of my life. Mark and I both prayed for children for a long time, and at various points in our lives believed that it may not be in the cards for us. When Mason arrived in March this year, I had no idea just how much that sweet baby would affect my mama heart. I have been a career-minded and incredibly driven person my whole life, being the first in all my family to graduate from college and the youngest. Um, And having been working in corporate America for the last 11 years of my life, striving to perform has always been important. Suddenly, however, after having Mason, I found my heart deeply yearning to be a stay-at-home mom. I never thought those words would escape my mouth, ever, in my my life. Um, But but I, I was desperately looking for an opportunity. I applied to over 20 different positions during maternity leave, and somehow, even with 10 plus years of Fortune 100 HR experience, I did not get one call back, not a phone screen, not a, not a anything, nothing. Um, I found myself in a state of mourning, trying to figure out how I was going to leave this precious gift that I had prayed for so long in someone else's hands while I went back to work. It wasn't fair, and I was beginning to form bitterness in my heart. Um, Through the book study of the envy of Eve, some of the ladies did last summer, the Lord graciously showed me that I was coveting being a stay-at-home mom in my heart, and that's not what he had for me in that season. I began to pray for the Lord to make a way at that point, 
but not a way for me to work from home anymore, a way for me to be okay, regardless of the circumstance. If being in the workforce is where he had me, then I needed a way to be okay with leaving Mason with someone else each day. Prayers were answered when I returned back to work. We found a daycare I felt comfortable with, and my boss allowed me to slowly transition back to five days in the office over a couple of months, so it was easier on all of us. Um, God also began revealing to Mark and I how this job is answering prayers, um, and not just our prayers, uh, not just for the things in our life, like building a home, but also in answering prayers for others in our church family. The Lord has given us so much, and we want to steward those gifts well. I can see now that my job allows for the Lord to use us in a variety of ways, and I'm daily learning to be content in this season. Lastly, um, just want to touch on just becoming leaders of the Welcome and Greeters ministry here at CCBC. Um, really from the beginning, um, I had a heart for wanting to get to know each person that was attending the core meetings, um, which was a little difficult given the fact that we all had masks on at the time during COVID. Um, this continued as we started the church. I wanted to be here early and I wanted to stay late. The Lord saw fit to give me a wife that also had the same heart for people. She also had experience being a host at Olive Garden for years in college. The Lord gave her a beautiful smile and big, exciting eyes that are warm and welcoming. Our plan was just to be faithful serving inside the ministry. However, this year, we were asked to lead the ministry. And I don't think either of us had any reservations saying yes even though we had a newborn. Um, it has been a gift for us to get to serve this body, and we pray that the Lord would continue to bless that ministry and our church. First Peter 4, 10 and 11 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I want to reiterate that the Lord has given us many opportunities uh, to trust him over the last 12 months. These are just a few of the bigger items that we wanted to touch on. We are not perfect in any way, um, and we'll continue learning to trust him in various other ways for the rest of our lives, just as the ongoing. Um, we're thankful for the ways that he is revealing sin in our lives and is fashioning us to look more like him daily. And we are thankful to be a part of this body, this body of believers. You hold us accountable, sharpen us, guide us when we need it, and love us above all. And we are grateful to each of you. That is all. Hey, good evening. Uh, so we want to share with you the blessings that uh, we have had for the last year, I mean, for this year. And, you know, we, we are kind of new, maybe. Maybe not, because since February, but. A few years ago, uh, the Lord started working in us uh, and growing in a, a stronger conviction on us regarding sound theology. And we were learning more and more on what biblical church looks like. So a few years ago, we started having conversations at our dinner table about these necessities that we were growing in. And, and then we realized that we needed to start praying for those thoughts too. 
uh, the beginning of that uh, journey wasn't easy. Uh, we are a married couple, but um, because we are two different individuals, our times were different on when we should to move and when to start looking for a church. We didn't want to make this, this decision based on our personal preference, but based on biblical principles. Um, I didn't see it at the beginning or even middle of this transition, but the Lord was working on my heart. I knew Edward and I were united on all the doctrinal views, but we were not united on the time frame of when to move. I was like that leaky faucet, but slowly the Lord had used his word to soften my heart in the season on how a wife should be. I then started reading in 1 Timothy about how a church should function and then prayed that the Lord would show Edwin and I the right time to move. So for a long time, we were listening to John MacArthur, uh, his preaching, because we had a really deep necessity about expository preaching. So then by the grace of God, Ashley and the Randall team uh, shared with Dominic the podcast, uh, the podcast of CCBC. So Dominic came home that day and told me about it. So as you know, I'm a mom of two toddler boys, so I don't have a ton of time throughout the day to listen to podcasts. But once I was told that the sermons were up from CCBC on, um, on Spotify, I would plug in my AirPods after the boys went to bed, and I would listen to the sermons while washing dishes and making lunches. That's when I started finding joy in washing dishes, <laughs> um, because I couldn't wait to listen to the sermons. I then started asking Dorinda and Ashley questions, thank you ladies, <laughs> about the church and coming to Ed home to Edwin to share the answers with him. Edwin then started asking specific questions that I would then go back to work and ask and then come home to give him answers to those questions about CCBC. So we started listening to the sermons and then we, we realized, hey, that pastor does expository preaching. Uh, so we uh, started listening to sermon after sermon and without being a part of CCBC at the moment, we felt that we were plugged, uh, we were plugged uh, with the teachings in a very strong way that also uh, we were checking every Sunday evening for the preaching of that Sunday so we can uh, listen to it. So we realized when we saw our end of the year recap on Spotify that we had almost 4,000 minutes total <laughs> um, of the CCBC podcast that we listened to between the both of us. So praise be to God for that podcast. <laughs> so the sermons that we were listening uh, gave us like a more solid picture about the church and uh, its doctrines. Since, uh, since the pulpit uh, drives the church, it was a very encouraging to, for, for us to listen to sermons from a church in our area that were salt in the word, bold, with no fear in preaching the biblical gospel, preaching with no fear about sin, reformed theology, church discipline, uh, the depravity uh, of man, and biblical church, uh, church government. I then started checking out the website and I got so excited when I found out that the church was led by elders. And then I discovered that, that CCBC has meaningful membership. So then I printed out the statement of faith, church, government, uh, church covenant, and worship guide. And I, and I walked through it line by line um, just to get to know more about the church. So when we saw that, we, we saw all these um, components that all of them were a blessing and we were sure that this is the place where we, want, uh, where we would like to be. So and then we arrived here on an evening service on the last Sunday of February this year and we stay for good. 
Looking back on this transition, I realized how much I needed to grow during the past season. That season stretched me as a believer in a good but difficult way. It grew my prayer life, and it also grew my role as a wife. We came to CCBC for the teaching, but we quickly realized how sweet the fellowship was with like-minded believers. Between conversations after church on Sunday about how the sermon convicted and also encouraged us to church members inviting us over for dinner, we saw the church being the church. One of the areas that God started uh, to shape to shape me was in my leadership at home. Through the biblical masculinity uh, during the summer, uh, the Lord showed me how sure I was in my leadership at home. Since then, one of my goals in life is to become a faithful leader for my wife and my kids and how important it is to not neglect that area. Also, my discipleship group, you know, like Alan Williams, Matt Vanderpool, Mark Raker and uh, Ian uh, was at the beginning, and then they they moved to start a, like a new groups, and now Cole is with us. So all these guys, uh, they have been a, a blessing to my life because uh, because they have been helping me uh, tremend uh, tremendously in this area. Having godly men around me weekly is a blessing. Another. I, um, another area that the Lord has been working with me is uh, the fear of men. I learned that was more important for me uh, to to fear the men than than fear God. It was more important for me to uh, uh, to get to know what what the man thinks of me uh, rather than God. So being under sound doctrine, preaching, and listening um, about sin every Sunday has softened my heart in a way uh, that is re uh, revealing to me more areas that were not visible before. Like the way I treat my wife and kids and personal pride. As John MacArthur said, uh, hard preaching makes soft hearts. Soft preaching makes hard hearts. Our marriage has definitely grown stronger from the moment we started listening to CCBC sermons together, but especially since we started attending CCBC. For myself, I have grown in the way of being more disciplined in the word. That has helped me, of course, in my own walk, but also how I am as a wife and a mother. Also, my joy for serving the church and opening up our home to share um, others to share meals with them and time with them. Our family praises God for this church continually. Our boys will drive by and say, there's Chaffee Crossing Baptist Church. <laughs> Even at a young age, they love our church and are growing weekly in their knowledge of the Lord. been a long day it's been a full day hope it's been an encouraging day think about these testimonies re-listen to them on the podcast think about those questions that popped up on the screen psalm 66 come and hear all you who fear god and i will tell you what he has done for my soul friends what has he done for your soul let's pray father we thank you for these brothers and sisters that were able to share what you have done in their life and their soul and their marriage and their discipling relationships. Lord, we know that every person here has something to share, and we pray that we would be unashamed, that we would be bold and not silent to testify what you have done. Lord, we pray even tonight we were even convicted uh, by the obedience of our brothers and sisters, and that we pray it would stir us up each to love and good deeds as we seek to be faithful to you and faithful as a church family. And Father, we pray your blessings upon our congregation, that our love would grow deep, 
that your word would go forth and you would use us in powerful ways beyond our imagination. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.